This episode of Punk Rock HR is sponsored by the Shift Career Summit on June 17th. We're bringing together some of the biggest names in the world of work to help you take control of your career. The event is completely free and you can register today at shiftdigitalcareers.com. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Andy Storch. He's a keynote speaker, consultant, and author of the new book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, Stop Drifting and Take Control of Your Future. Andy's on the podcast today, nerding out with me about talent development. For those of you not in the world of human resources, that means training, but it's training with a 21st century edge. He's also talking about the importance of community, learning, and really owning your career. And he's got a pretty compelling personal narrative that really drives home the fact that you get one shot at this life and it's time for you to own it. So if you're interested in a conversation between two individuals who wrote a career book around the same time with the same themes and also have some pretty interesting takes on human resources, well, sit back and enjoy this conversation with Andy Storch. Hey, Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I am such a fan of you and your work, and I am honored and excited to be here. Well, Andy, I'm so glad you're here. You know, I just, I'm a fan, an admirer, a stalker on social media, as we all are, you know, thinking I know you just because I like a few posts, you know, that's how that goes. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you're all about? Well, thank you, Lori. Feelings mutual. I follow everything you do, every deadlift and on on Instagram and uh, big fan of everything that you have going on. As far as me, I'm an author, a speaker, consultant. Really, I'm all about connecting with people, primarily in the talent development space. I host a podcast called The Talent Development. Development Hot Seat, and I run a membership community called the Talent Development Think Tank. I also recently published a book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and have a podcast by the same name and do some things in that space. And most importantly, I am a husband and a father, two kids. I live in Orlando, Florida, all about health and wellness and mindset and connecting and making friends and talking to cool people like you. You know, so many different ways we can go with this conversation, but first and foremost, answer this really important question. What the hell is talent development? It's a great question because a lot of people don't know. And uh, especially if you come from outside the corporate space, most people in my circle, my network who are say entrepreneurs don't work in corporate, they assume that's like recruiting. And I'm like, no, that's talent acquisition. That's different, right? So for me, talent development is enabling, empowering, developing the people in your organization, in your circle to help them improve, be able to do their job better and grow in their careers. And of course, that can include technical training, development in what some people might call soft skills or what... uh, Josh Burson now calls power skills, all the things that can help us improve in our careers and grow and hopefully stay with your company longer. Well, you know, I love that it's got all these fancy titles now because back in the day, you know, when you and I were just getting started, it was training, right? It was just training. So what's changed? Well, for one thing, I think the word training ended up with kind of a negative connotation and people started trying to avoid it. Funny enough, I spent seven years working for a consulting company called BTS and BTS was known for creating custom business simulations 
lessons, teaching business acumen, finance, leadership, things like that. And training was like, we don't do training. We are consultants with MBAs and we help people accelerate strategy execution. But at the end of the day, like it is training. Like we're training people, we're helping people get better at certain things, whether it's finance, strategy, leadership, et cetera. So I think you can call it that. I think what's changed is not only the connotation, but the way people think about their own development and growth. And when I hear the word training, I think you're going to specifically teach me this one thing that I'm going to get better at, right? You and I are both podcasters, right? Running these interviews. You could probably train me on how to run a great podcast, put a team together and things like that. I feel like development is a little bit more all-encompassing. It's a little bit more open to you're going to be able to grow and get better however you see fit for you and your career. And it's especially applicable to some of those more power skills like we talked about. Like, I don't think I can train you to be a more empathetic leader, but maybe we can create some development opportunities in EQ or empathy or things that will allow you to become a better leader. But at the end of the day, like whether you call it training or development or training and development, it's still about helping people grow and improve and get better in whatever it is that they're doing. Do you think companies really see that differentiation or do you think they just use talent development as like the next buzzword? Because I still feel like most organizations have a training program where you're going to learn what you're going to learn for the job you're doing today. Maybe you'll learn some skills for the next job, but they don't care who you're going to be in 24 months. And they certainly don't care who you are as an individual. Am I right? Am I wrong? Well, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I think it depends a lot on the leadership and the culture, right? And it's the same thing with like, you come from the HR world and probably have a lot of HR leaders listen to this podcast, right? And you have a company that has a chief HR officer and a lot of companies now have chief people officers. And when you ask them, hey, why did you choose the title chief people officer? They'll say, well, there's all these connotations with that old school chief HR because that's about compliance and all these things. And this is about developing our people. So I think it's, you know, it's about your perspective. It's about your outlook. And I do think, there are a lot of great leaders out there and companies that create cultures that do care about their people and might even, if you're lucky, you work for an organization that says, hey, we're going to give you development and growth opportunities because we care about you as an individual. We hope you hang around. But even if you end up going somewhere else, at least you'll have that legacy of having development and growth with our organization. And you'll be able to say fond things about us because now it's not just about, oh, people come in, people come out. We've got Glassdoor. We've got all these other things where people are leaving ratings and talking about what it's like to work here and what the culture is like. And so even if you develop people and they leave, there's a legacy of what they might say about their experience there that impacts your ability to go recruit and get the best people to come work for you in the future. So I think it's all really important. Same with people. If you work in an organization, you don't want to burn any bridges when you're going places. You got to think about your legacy and your connections and your network. You never know where that next opportunity is going to come from. So, you know, you run a community of talent development professionals. So there's so much to unpack there because I think a lot of individuals working in human resources, learning, training, whatever you call it, operate as teams of one. So what's a community and what does it do? What purpose does it serve? Well, first of all, I'll say the other reason why I chose the phrase talent development when I started the podcast and then later the community was I felt it was more all-encompassing for people that work in the development community because that includes learning and development, organizational development, leadership development. There's a lot of people with different job titles that I feel like, for me personally, fall under that bucket. They may not necessarily see it that way. And so I wanted to be inclusive of everybody who was, they saw it as part of their job or they see it as part of their job to develop people. And so when I started the podcast, it was a way 
to connect with those people, to provide value in that community and build a brand and a network. And eventually that podcast turned into a conference that I hosted back in January, 2020 called the Talent Development Think Tank with my friend Bennett Phillips. We had some great speakers there, Josh Burson, Liz Weissman, Michael Bungay Stanier was our closing keynote. It was amazing. He's so great. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And it was a fantastic experience. And then COVID hit in March of 2020. And I realized, you know, the reason why, the main reason why people go to conferences, number one, they go to learn from speakers and experts. But a lot of the reason is to go to connect with colleagues and hear what other people are working on and, and build your network. And that's not going to be happening for a while. So what can I create to bring people in the talent development community together to help them connect and keep learning on a regular basis? So I launched the Talent Development Think Tank community in the middle of 2020. And it's just been growing since then. And for me, I see myself as a connector. I'm all about community. I think that humans are social creatures. We are not made to survive on our own. We need community. We need colleagues. We need people that we can connect with, talk with, to find out what's going on, to get support from each other. We often get that in workplaces, but now everybody's working remotely a lot of the time, right? On our own, kind of on islands. And so the community I've created is about bringing people together to connect with each other. We have a live call every Wednesday on Zoom and they support each other, right? They ask questions. They, everybody has challenges and goals they're working on. And if you're on your own, you're just Googling things, right? And looking at LinkedIn and trying to figure stuff out. But when you have other people you can connect with, especially for those people you mentioned who are a team of one, they're kind of making stuff up, but there's no reason that you need to reinvent the wheel, as they say, right? You can go out to others who have been doing it for a while and find out what other people are doing. And that's what I wanted to create. And that's what people love about it. Well, you know, you're a pretty busy guy. You've got multiple podcasts, you've got the community, and then you wrote a book, which is not about talent development. Not really. It's about what I think of as self-leadership and individual accountability and well-being and learning and risk-taking, all the things I love. And so tell us about your book. Well, the funny thing is you and I wrote the same book with like just a, our different perspective on it, which I absolutely love. When I saw yours, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. We wrote similar books. Obviously, we're going to get different perspectives. For me, I've been working in this corporate space as a consultant for close to 10 years now. And I've had the benefit of traveling all over the world, working with executives, leaders, managers, and I've seen the best and worst and what helps people be successful. And I've also seen a lot of people drifting along through their careers, as you have as well, operating in reaction mode, waiting for their boss or someone else to tell them what to do, not really knowing where they're going, not really operating with any goals, or if they have goals, they're really goals that they took or borrowed from other people. They're not goals that are based on their own values and purpose and things that they really, truly want to get out of life. And I wanted to create something that would inspire people, wake people up and give people a little bit of a roadmap to take more ownership of their careers and own their life, just like I did for my own. You know, I've been there. I drifted, I think, through most of my 20s and even into my 30s when I had a great job, but I still didn't know what I was doing or where I was going. But I woke up a few years ago and really kind of put things into high gear and I've been able to achieve a lot of things. You mentioned podcasts, conferences, communities, things like that, writing a book. And it's because of everything I've learned and put in place place. It's because I've been willing to go out and hire coaches and get support because I've built a strong network. I've gone and connected with people because I've built a personal brand. And I wanted to teach other people how to do that. And the other reason was being in the entrepreneur community, as I have been for a couple of years now, I see a lot of these messages out there saying, well, if you don't like your job, you don't like it, you need to quit the nine to five and go start your own business. I mean, you and I are entrepreneurs, right? Run our own business. I absolutely love it. I assume based on my conversations with you that you do as well, but it is not for everyone, right? We both know 
plenty of people who are highly talented are really valuable to any organization they work for with no interest in working on their own. But I want everybody to be able to find fulfillment and find happiness. And I think that comes from ownership and taking responsibility and being really intentional with your career and with your life. And so I wrote this book to create kind of the guide for people to go do that, similar to what you wrote with betting on you to help people become happier in their careers, whether they work for a company or decide they want to be off on their own like us. The future of work is here and boy, it's full of buzzwords for job seekers. Gig economy, micro learning, the fourth industrial revolution. What does it even mean? That's what I want to know. That's why my friend Mary Ellen Slater and I are holding the Shift Career Summit on June 17th. We're bringing together some of the biggest names in the world of work, such as Lindsay Pollock, Minda Hartz, Neil Irwin, and so many other great thinkers who are helping people like you take control of your career. This isn't another boring webinar. When we put together the lineup of the all-stars who are going to help you work at the intersection of purpose and meaning, Mary Ellen and I had one rule, no scrubs. The Shift Career Summit is completely free and you can register today at shiftdigitalcareers.com. That's shiftdigitalcareers.com and I'll look forward to seeing you on June 17th. You know, the interesting thing about writing a book like this is that people expect you to have these glib, universal answers to just help people change their lives. So tell me if you've been asked this question. Lori, if someone's really unhappy at work, what's one thing they can do to turn it around? I get all kinds. I don't know if I've gotten that specific question, but, you know, asking for guidance. I'd be curious what you think about that. Obviously, it's different for everybody. But my answer is always to start with self-reflection, right? Like, why do you feel you're unhappy? What do you think is is causing that. And is it your entire situation that you're unhappy with? Or is it maybe just one little thing? Like you don't like your boss or you don't like your commute or you don't like this one thing about your job. And maybe if you change that, everything would be fine. Or maybe if you just changed your outlook and your attitude, it sounds harsh, but a lot of people are going around with a victim mindset, which means everything in life happens to you. It's out of your control. Oh, my boss did this. My colleagues did that. But you are in charge of your emotions. You determine your happiness, your perspective, your fulfillment in life. And so you can choose to be happy. If you bet on yourself, if you own your career, you can choose to be happy. And there may be things that you want to change. Maybe the things you don't like, but then you got to figure out how do you want to change those? And that's where I walk through in my book. How do you set a vision and get more clarity about where you want to go? How do you connect to your values and your purpose? And then how do you go set yourself up for future success and achieve your goals, doing things like investing in continuous learning, building your network, building your personal brand, and then adjusting your mindset so that you can handle anything. You're more resilient and you also are happier, more fulfilled. Well, I love where you're going with this though, because you're actually equipping and empowering people with real skills, with real exercises and not with just self-help mumbo jumbo. And I don't know about you, but before I wrote my book, I must've read like 30 self-help books. And I felt like nobody had really moved the needle since Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich back in 1937. It was all about if you can see it, you can be it, which I think, you know, there's truth in that, but that's the secret, right? That's every book that's come out. That's, you know, Tony Robbins, Robbins, that's all of them. I wanted to write something that was a little bit more intrinsically motivated. You know, when people get frustrated, when people hit rock bottom, what can they do? And that's the position that I took. And I almost think there's something really beautiful and elegant about hitting rock bottom in your career. You've got nowhere else to go. And you can ask yourself those tough questions. You can do reflection because you've got time on your hand. I don't know. What do you think about all that? I think a lot of people 
have felt that, right? Like they have hit the rock bottom or they're there and they're like, what do I do? And I'm glad that you are providing that resource for them. I'd like to think that my book will provide some inspiration for them as well. You know, I kind of agree with you. I've read a lot of personal development books. I read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I always reference that when uh, I hear about this phrase or I mentioned that there really are no new ideas, right? There are just different perspectives on things. Every personal development book I read is like, well, this is just a different take on Think and Grow Rich. Like Napoleon Hill wrote the original, but that's okay because we need different perspectives. Someone is going to read my book and go, eh, this is doing anything for me. And then they're going to read your book and go, yes, this is exactly what I was looking for because of your voice, because of your perspective, your take on things, and because you are addressing that person specifically who has hit that rock bottom. And if you feel like you have hit rock bottom or you're there, you just feel like you're in a really bad place, that's okay. Remember that we all go through challenges. Nothing in life is permanent and you have the power to make changes. You can't control everything in your life, right? But you can control where you go to work, who you spend time with, the information that you consume on a regular basis and your outlook and your mindset on things are all well within your control and you can make those changes. It won't be easy, but it can happen. Yeah. So you've got this really terrific book. You've got a vibrant community. You've got a good family. Things are going well for you. And then COVID hits, but not only COVID, your personal health takes a left turn. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I've had my fair share of challenges over the last year. COVID impacted everyone for sure. For me, going back to March 2020, my whole business was selling and running in-person training. I was flying around the country on planes, running leadership development workshops, and all of that got shut down. All of my clients went away and canceled workshops. But wait, you own your life, so it was no big deal. That's right. Well, so that's the key, right? That is really important because those were things that were outside of my control. But what was in my control was my perspective on things, and I could have just given up and walked away. I took a couple days to cry about it and you're like, oh, what am I going to do? But then I was like, okay, this is going to last for a while. How do we pivot? So let's create some virtual workshops. I was actually in the middle of writing the book. I had a whole chapter about the importance of going to conferences for networking, right? And so I was able to go back and adjust that to, hey, attend some virtual summit. And then, you know, I launched this community. I pivoted because I know like I'm not going to sit around and wait for things. And I had clients that told me we had scheduled workshops and I was like, I think we should do this virtually now. And they're like, nah, we're going to wait for things to get back to normal. And I'm like, I think we're going to be waiting a while. I think we should do this virtually because you still need to develop your people. And so some of the, they, they all came around eventually, right? But because of my mindset, I decided to pivot and just take ownership of the situation. Again, there are things that are always going to be outside of your control, politics, the economy, pandemics, but there are things within your control, like how you decide to show up for your job and for your business and for your life. So I got through that and actually had a, a pretty great year in 2020, launched the community, I published a book. I made more money than I have in any year in the past, I think. Everything going well. And then in November, I published my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. I also got diagnosed with testicular cancer at the same time, started experiencing a lot of pain in October, and then got this diagnosis. I had surgery two days after my book published to remove a tumor, and then started going through treatment in December and January. I'm still going through treatment, still doing chemo. It's been a lot of ups and downs throughout that time, a lot of days on the couch when I really wanted to be building a business. But when I do have energy, like today, I'm doing interviews, responding to emails, I'm posting on social media, I'm building my business, building my community because I don't want to stop moving. I'm like a shark. Like sharks, if they stop moving, they die, right? And so I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to let this get the best of me. And I don't even think about this because it's so ingrained in me now. But again, I've been talking so much about the power of your mindset and the power of your outlook and your perspective on things is so critical to your own happiness and fulfillment. I don't see this cancer as this terrible thing that's the end of the world. It is bad, but it's an inconvenience for me. It's a major inconvenience. It's something that I get to go through for these three 
or four months. And then when I'm done, I'm going to be done. I'm moving on. I've made a lot of changes. I've changed my diet. I've done a lot of reading because I want to take ownership of that whole situation. And I have a fantastic oncologist, but I'm not going to rely on her alone. So I'm reading everything I can about cancer and nutrition, making changes to diet, taking supplements, doing other things that can help me different types of treatments because I want to be as healthy as possible and then come out of this thing stronger than ever, just like others have before me and go back and have a great life and grow my business. And so that's what I plan on doing, but I'm in the thick of it right now. Yeah, you are. And one of the things that I appreciate most about you is how there's nothing off limits. Like you answer questions, you talk about it and, you know, TMI or not, we've had a lot of discussions about this. So I want to know what the most frustrating thing is about this cancer diagnosis. What's really pissed you off? Yeah, there's been a few things. I mean, number one, I feel like I was already living a pretty healthy lifestyle. I ate pretty healthy. I'll say seven and a half out of 10. I was not perfect. I would exercise six to seven days a week. I would say most people in my network see me as one of the healthier people they knew. And yet I'm the one that still gets cancer, right? At 40 years old, I look around and I see a lot of people in society who are living a very unhealthy lifestyle who are just fine. And so just thinking about that caused a little bit of frustration. By the way, side note on testicular cancer, it mostly affects men between the age of 20 and 40. And I got it at the age of 40. That was frustrating too. I was like, come on. Like I almost made it out of the window. <laughs> but here, so close, man. So, so close. close. And I just turned 41 <laughs> yesterday, by the way. So I'm outside of the window now. I don't know if I still qualify. The other frustration was, you know, I published this book in November. I really felt like I did a lot of homework, a lot of research. I invested in a course learning everything I can about how to make a book successful. I had lined up a ton of podcast interviews and marketing, like I've seen you doing with your book. And in fact, you and I started talking around that time and booked interviews with each other. And I recorded a few of them in November, but then I was in a lot of pain. I had to reschedule and postpone a ton of interviews. And that was, you know, that was frustrating because I couldn't really go into all the book marketing I wanted to do. I also had plans for my business. I was going to launch a course from my book, possibly a new community around that in the career space and all these things that I wanted to build and I wanted to do. And I couldn't do those things because I was in a lot of pain. I was on the couch and in January, just a ton a ton of pain. It was frustrating to be someone who's as active as I am, likes to play with my kids and do different stuff. And to not really be able to do that stuff was frustrating. But there was a phrase that I heard my friend, actually our mutual friend, Lauren Davis, Lauren V. Davis, who is a social media consultant, a person who runs a podcast on personal branding. Former guest on Punk Rock HR. Yeah. Former guest. on Okay. She's one of my best friends. We talk regularly. And she told me that she had a tattoo, I believe, that said, this is how it is right now. And, you know, sometimes we just hear these things at the right time that is just powerful for us. And for that, it was for me when I was in the worst moments where I was in pain and that caused frustration because I couldn't live my life the way I wanted to live it. I remembered that phrase and kept repeating that to myself that this is how it is right now. And I also do a lot of meditation and I've spent a lot of time learning mindfulness. And one of the things I've taken away from that as well as the nature of impermanence, the fact that most things in life are not permanent, they're temporary. And I reminded myself that even though this is terrible now, this is not going to last forever. This is not permanent. I'm going to get through this and I have been and it's going to be better eventually. And it's true, right? Like as I'm talking to you right now, I feel okay. A couple of weeks ago, I felt awful, just absolutely awful, but that's gone now. And today I feel fine. And there'll probably be a few more moments where that feel awful, just like with our jobs, with our career, with our business, there are those challenges that come up that are just awful. And you're like, I don't want to do this, but then you get through it and you often learn from the experience and you get better. And for me, the other thing that has helped inspire me along the way is the 
knowledge that I can use this to help and inspire others, which is why I've been posting on social media about it, sharing from my journey, talking a lot about gratitude because that's helped me through this, writing down my gratitude every day, what I'm grateful for. And we all have things to be grateful for, by the way, no matter what challenges you're going through. If you're alive and you're listening to this, you have things to be grateful for, including the technology to listen to this interview, right? And the fact that you're alive and you're able to do it. And so those are things all got me through this. And I know that by going through this journey, I'll also be able to help and inspire so many other people who are going to follow me into this. Well, Andy, I'm real grateful you were a guest on the podcast today. We'll have all of the links to your books, your community, all of that in the show notes. Thanks again for stopping by and talking about your life, your journey, and your new book. Lori, thank you so much for having me here. I love everything that you're doing. I am honored to be part of this, and I hope that I get a chance to connect with some of your listeners. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or any other social media platform. I'd love to connect and hear what you're up to. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Punk Rock HR. As always, the show notes are where it's at for information, links, resources, and you can find them all at laurierudeman.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget, this episode of Punk Rock HR was sponsored by the Shift Career Summit. That's right, happening on June 17th. It is the place to go to hear from all the experts, no scrubs, to help you take control of your career. Head on over to shiftdigitalcareers.com for more information. That's shiftdigitalcareers.com. And thanks again for listening to this episode of Punk Rock HR. We'll see you next time.